The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, well, thanks for joining us this evening. It uh, promises to be uh, a good show. Uh, we're going to change the name of it to The Man Show because I got Dan Illman and Jay Privman with me tonight. Of course, they've been guests on Winning Ponies before, and uh, these guys are extremely popular. Uh, both of them are just uh, fantastic writers, fantastic handicappers, and interesting individuals. Of course, uh, Jay Privman, he kind of represents uh, the, the West Coast, uh, and Dan is a New Yorker from Brooklyn, New York, so uh, it's going to be a, a coast-to-coast racing this weekend. Uh, what uh, I don't know if we can get too much bigger than the, the Traverse Stakes and the Pacific Classic, so we will definitely be uh, covering those races, but there's just a, a slew of Excellent races at both tracks. We'll try to get through as many of them as we can because I uh, really respect uh, the opinions of uh, both Jay and Dan. Uh, plus, Dan's going to be sharing with us uh, some uh, some stories he's had. Um, I don't know if you go up on w, uh, drf.com, but uh, he's run a series uh, with the great Harvey Pack. Of course, uh, Harvey, who penned the book, May the Horse Be With You, um, is uh, not up at Naira anymore, but uh, he's still filled with great stories, and he has a lot of great stories uh, in his book, uh, May the Horse Be With You. So we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about that and his experiences with Dan Elman and everything that's going on uh, up at, uh, at Saratoga and over at Del Mar. So uh, looking forward to speaking with both of them. Well, um, I'll tell you what, it's been a good week at Winning Ponies if uh, you've been watching. Of course, we can never uh, predict uh, which races are, are going to come up with the big hits, but we've had quite a few of them. Also, a tip of the cap to a gentleman by the name of Twit Capper. Uh, he put out his best radio or podcast awards in no particular order, and at the top of the four were Winning Ponies. So, Twit Handicapper, you say you listen to this show every week, whether it's live or podcast, appreciate the shout-out. Now, on Winning Ponies, on Tuesday at Parks, um, we had a uh, pick six that paid $2,277, and a Mountaineer, a super, starting with the in the second race for $2,689. Uh, then if you were uh, on board up at Saratoga, uh, we had on Wednesday a pick four that paid over $4,000. And uh, over at Del Mar, there was a super high five score, 4520 And even up in Woodbine, 
We had a pick four that paid $319.70. So you want to get on board uh, with, with our sheets at Winning Ponies. Also, uh, as you recall, we did have an Arlington Million Handicapping Contest last week. And I won't give out any last names, but you know who you are. Uh, Ken E. came up with Real Solution over the Apache. Of course, we'll be talking about that controversial race a little bit later in the show. He gets 100 in cash, and then Todd P. gets 50 winning credits. And um, Tom B., 20 winning credits. And we gave out uh, several Wise Dan posters, of compliments of uh, uh, Curtis Cody Photography, that went to David B. and Ben L., and a winning baseball cap to Robert J. So go back online, go back up to Winning Ponies, because we are not going to pass up uh, the Travers. It goes as race 12 on a 14-race program uh, that begins at 11.35 early, big day at the spa. Also, you got the King's Bishop and the Test. We hope to be talking to those about with Dan Elman later in the show. Of course, the Travers Field, uh, the, the the big horses, Orb, uh, Verrazano, and Palace Malice look to be the top three. Also, uh, if you're near, near a television set, the, the Kings Bishop and the Travers will be on NBC. The broadcast starts uh, Eastern Standard Time at 4.30 and will run till 6 o'clock. And the uh, following week, they're going to have the Bernard Baruch, the Forgo, and the Woodard on NBC Sports Network. But... The Kings Bishop and the Travers will be on regular NBC program if you don't get uh, the NBC sports. Of course, uh, what a day it was for just about anybody named Kitten or sired by Kitten's Joys and uh, the Ramsey outfit. Unbelievable. Uh, Within about an hour and a half, Kitten's Joy and the Ramseys won three grade one races. Of course, Real Solution uh, got the Arlington Million by way of disqualification. Of course, the Apache crossed the line, but came out on him, really did when you see the head on. There's no doubt about that. And uh, so he got that. uh, That was the third grade one victory for the Ramseys that day. Uh, They also had a win earlier on the Arlington Park program with uh, Admiral Kitten and the Secretariat Stakes. And Big Blue Kitten scored his second consecutive grade one victory by Sword Dancer, I mean in the Sword Dancer Invitational at Saratoga. All of these were homebreds by Kitten's Joy. Of course, you may recall he was the champion turf male. And it's kind of a sweet uh, uh, vindication in that uh, Kitten's Joy uh, had a lot of success at at Arlington. Uh, He he won the Secretariat, but his, his final race was in the Arlington Million, where it turns out that he hurt his knee and he had to be retired. So, uh, as Ken Ramsey said, to have his son come back day and do what he couldn't do was very, very gratifying. Of course, uh, these results really moving Kitten's Joy up on the um, stallion ranks uh, among the, the graded uh, sires. And I believe his fee was between forty and 50000 this year. So... Uh, I wonder what the over and under on that is for being about 80000 next year. Also, i uh, got to be happy for uh, Chad Brown. He had his uh, biggest day uh, when uh, Big Blue Kitten rallied from 12th to, to win the Sword Dancer. And then, of course, he also trains Real Solution, who ended up getting the Arlington Million. I uh, want to wish uh, the best out there to uh, jockey Matt Garcia, who is injured Sunday at the Humboldt County Fair. He is making slow progress, recovering 
at the Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital. He hopes to be out soon. No surgery. He's only 43 years old. Uh, no paralysis, but uh, it's going to take him a little while to come back. So uh, our prayers and thoughts going out to Matt Garcia, who's twice as won the uh, championship there at Humboldt County. A comeback story that we've been following forever. Painter looks like he's going to go to the Woodard Stakes. Of course, he's coming back from one of those remarkable comebacks ever seen, coming from two near-fatal illnesses, and he is back in training, looking awful good. His son of awesome again uh, made a big splash in the Betfair at Betfair Hollywood Park in an allowance race, and then he finished a strong second in the Hollywood Gold Cup uh, to uh, Kettle Corn will be in action this week against a game on dude. So it looks like he is going to head east and face the likes of Cross Traffic, Successful Dan, Mucho Macho Man, Fort Larned, and Flat Out. Well, uh, horse we won't be seeing at the races this year is the Preakness winner, Oxbow. Likely he is done for the year. They want to uh, err on the side of caution, and uh, chances are that they do plan on bringing him back next year. Of course, this year he won $1.2 million. Uh, He uh, has a wire-to-wire victory with, of course, Gary Stevens. What a great comeback story that was uh, in the Preakness Stakes. He also captured the grade three LeCompte and was second in the Belmont and Rebels. So uh, we hope Oxbow is back in action. Horse that won't be in action anymore, but it's going to go to stud at uh, Spendthrift Farm is Jimmy Creed. Uh, he sustained a minor injury to his sesmoidian ligament in his right front ankle, and they're going to err on the side of caution. Ned Toffee, of course, who has been a guest here at uh, at Winning Ponies, is uh, going to be uh, a standing Jimmy Creed at Spendthrift Farm, where so many top horses are coming up, and uh, they purchased uh, Jimmy Creed for uh, for a nice price, as I recall, nine hundred thousand as a yearling, sold as one of those book one horses in the Keeneland September sale, and uh, he's out of a real nice mare. Uh, the Grade One winner, multiple Grade One producer, hooked on a feeling. So I think uh, Jimmy Creed's going to get a nice response uh, to his book. He's only going to stand for twelve five. Of course, he's part of that Share the Upside program. They're going to stand him for about twelve thousand. Also, reports on St. Nicholas Abbey, the Breeders' Cup winner, who uh, was injured. Uh, had a repair to his uh, fracture of his right foreleg. They said that he's doing the best he has been. Those are the reports uh, by Coolmore, so that's good to know. He's back to Eaton. Uh, he uh, ended up earning $7.8 million. Of course, he won the Breeders' Cup turf and the many, many races over in Europe. Uh, we wish him a welcome back. Speaking of Europe, uh, how about Wes Ward? He went over all the winners he's had during his career. He won his first Group 1 in the pre-Mornay on Sunday at Deauville with No Nay Never, who's unbeaten in three starts, won a second race overseas. He did win a race, as you'll recall, at the Royal Ascot meet. He won the uh, Norfolk Stakes, and uh, I guess he was very, very strong over there. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, but congratulations to former leading apprentice rider in the United States, Wesley Ward, who's turned very, very successful in the in the training ranks. All right, uh, we, we uh, of course, are so happy to see Garrett Gomez back in the saddle. Well, he's not only winning stakes races, he's setting track records. Um, Renee's Got Zip recorded a track record at Del Mar, clocked in 114.48, and uh, 
looks like uh, he uh, shaved two-fifths of a second off the former Polytrack record. Uh, she's a three-year-old filly. So it would be uh, very uh, interesting to see where she goes from here. i got a feeling there will be some, a Breeders' Cup on the horizon. So uh, let's take a look again um, at some of the top races week handicapped last week. And with Michael Baychak, of course, the national handicapping champion, was our uh, was our guest and uh, gave us a, a few few solid winners. Of course, uh, we looked at the the Alabama. This was the easiest one of all. Princess of Silmar uh, certainly uh, stamped herself as the uh, top three year old filly in the country. Uh, she just went by him easy in the grade one Alabama, $600,000 purse. Fifty Shades of Hay held on to be second, but from what I understand, may have injured herself in that race and could be out for the year. Still waiting reports back on her. So, in uh, uh, third was that the long shot I liked at 15 to 1. It ended up going off at 7 to 1, Carnival Court. So, that uh, was a pretty easy try to give out. Well, how about up at Arlington? Um, coming down the stretch, it looked like the South African bred Apache had it won, but the jockey. Start, was whipping it left-handed, and the horse began to veer out, and he continued left-handed a little too long. By the time that he switched, uh, he was already bumping real solution. Again, this was a, a Ramsey homebred who started over in Europe. It was a very game over there, and then came over, moved to the Chad Brown farm. Of course, real solution, if you look at the company he's keeping, uh, last race lost the Manhattan to point of entry and optimizer, two very strong horses. This horse was a decent bet. So uh, they had to switch the order, so it was a real solution. And then the Apache, and then the third spot was the sixth side glance. So another exciting Arlington million in the books. Also up at Arlington, it was the... Uh, the Beverly D grade one race, and Michael Baychak was nice enough uh, to give us an exacta in here. As you recall, it's kind of a toss-up between Duntel and Dank, two horses shipping in from Europe. Duntel had beaten Dank the last time out, but uh, Michael liked uh, Dank as the winner, and Gifted Girl, an Irish bred, was his second spot. This horse was 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. And uh, so an $88.60 exacta to those of you that were listening to Winning Ponies and ended up coming up with the exacta with that one. I want to thank you, Michael, for, um, for being a guest on the show. Of course, uh, the Sword Dancer, same old, same old, put the tape in, a Kitten's Joy homebred by the Ramses, went off at 5-2, to two, came from out of the clouds, split horses with Joe Bravo up, and just a little while later, it was Admiral Kitten winning the Secretariat at, at Arlington Park. So uh, Big Blue Kitten gets the job done over Twilight Eclipse and a European shipper called Nutello. Then uh, we need to uh, at least go out to Del Mar. It was the grade one Del Mar Oaks. There was a couple of kittens in there. They're about the only ones that didn't win all day. Uh, the winner was uh, Discreet Mark getting the win over Wishing Gate in there. Emotional Kitten, one of the kittens enjoy, did hit the board 
in that grade one race. So uh, that's a look at the top races that we handicapped last week and took place. But right now, I'm really looking forward to getting to our next guest, Jay Pridman. So I'm going to shut my pie hole, go to commercial, and we'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Lockdown Coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite guests and people in the racing business, Jay Privman. Uh, he's uh, a fantastic author. Uh, he, he covers the Triple Crown, the racing form. You'll, you'll see him on television. You'll read him in the daily racing form on a, on a regular basis. And uh, pretty much uh, kind of a California guy. And so we're leaning on him this week to kind of give us the, uh, the, the, the buzz from the West Coast. Jay, how you doing? Good, John. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I really have a lot of fun doing the show. We've got a lot of positive feedback from it. Um, you know, you being out there on the West Coast, I find a couple interest. You know, I mean, there's always stories coming up. But before we get to the big races, uh, your jockey colony out there has given you plenty of story angles. One that I hope has a happy, happy ending is the Garrett Gomez story. Uh, what's your feedback on that? Uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's back and riding, and he's he's doing fine. I mean, he had a little bit of a, you know, he, he had some issues that he said were related initially to his uh, to his marriage, and I think that's what caused him, you know, a lot of grief. Uh, and he did admit to slipping up in terms of his sobriety. He'd been very diligent about it for almost a decade now. But I think the admirable thing about it is that he immediately sought treatment for it and, and got help. Uh, and took time off, 
and then came back. He had to jump through a couple hoops to get uh, relicensed, but he's back riding again, and he's doing well. Yeah, so one think, of the most heartwarming things I saw was when he won that stake two weeks ago, coming from out of the clouds. It was a pretty close finish. And as he's pulling up, Rafael Bayarano, who he nailed at the wire, pulled up next to him and gave, gave him a fist pump as if, welcome back. Uh, I just that warmed the cockles in my heart, Jay, I have to tell you. Well, and as you know from you know, having been around Rafael when he first started out, he's a class guy, and Garrett's been a a popular member of the jockey colony out here for a long time, so I think it was just uh, a moment of a couple of class guys and one acknowledging what the other just accomplished. Well, uh, now now you've got some great comeback stories. Uh, I'll save the best for last, but uh, with surprisingly, Chantel Sutherland coming back, it looked like she was having a hard time getting business, but as I'm looking down at the PPs and some of the races we're looking at, she's riding at 20% already. Yeah, she's not getting a whole lot of chances, but uh, you know, but she's doing you know well enough. Uh, but it's a tough colony out here. It's a, it's a good group of riders, and it's tough to go away for a long time and come back and and get your business back up. So it's it's going to take a while, I think, for her to to get as much business as she might want to have. But you know, she's she's certainly hanging in there. And of course, uh, the big story. Uh, he's mostly West Coast rider, but wherever there's a big race, you can find him these days. Is uh, Gary Stevens? Uh, we've had him on the show. I mean, he's such an uh, intelligent individual and articulate, and obviously a, an outstanding rider. He's riding at a 29% clip, but he is being selective about the, the mounts he's taking. But nonetheless, uh, your hat's got to be off to this guy in his comeback. Well, he's had a, a fantastic comeback. I mean, highlighted by that win in the Preakness Stakes with Oxbow. He's won a number of other major races, and he's in demand to go out of town. I mean, he didn't do as well as he wanted to do last weekend when he went to Chicago, but that was, I don't think, any fault of his. He gave marketing mix and Indy Point good trips to the point in the races where they both just were no longer competitive. At least marketing mix ran a, a decent race, not as well as she can, but you know, Indy Point just, just went right out the back, down the back stretch. Uh, but Overall, as you mentioned, Gary's done great, and he's picking his spots, and, and uh, I think when you're a Hall of Famer, you're like Mike Smith, and he, you're allowed to kind of pick your spots at this point in your career. Well, and speaking of picking his spots, uh, you brought up Mike Smith. Uh, I, after looking at the, the, the PPs at, at Saratoga for uh, Sunday, I really can't blame him, uh, although I'm sure it had to be tough, on uh, going with... Uh, coming off uh, Game on Dude to go to Billy Mott's horse on Sunday? It's really been a, a, that Philly's cost him a couple of uh, big mounts because, as you know, he won the Belmont on Palace Malice, and when he won the Jim Dandy, it was, he was in a situation where he had to pick him or, or Royal Delta when she ran last time, and now here she is running again on the same day as Game on Dude. So uh, he stuck with Royal Delta. It's, it's kind of a cyclist task to pick one or the other, uh, but I'm, I'm sure he's hoping that he can get back on uh, a game on due for subsequent races, because hopefully Joel Rosario will continue to do well with the other the possibilities that he's got for the Classic, most notably Orb, uh, and, and, and everybody will be happy but in the end, but for this weekend, it was an unavoidable conflict. Well, uh, th that pretty much leads us up to uh, the Grade 1 Pacific Classic. It's kind of neat that we're seeing an actual uh, rematch of the top three of 2012. Uh, a couple of horses coming back to win this race of, on uh, multiple occasions. Um, 
course, you, 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 have, you have Game on Dude, the rider change there. And Well, one thing I'm really enjoying about what you guys are doing at the Racing Forum these days is the ability to, to go online and watch your tweets. And, you know, obviously you were there the other morning to watch some of these horses go. And I, I think a lot of people forget that, that Doolahan and his only star at Delmar won this race last year with a 111 buyer. And I, I think your comment was he was really pretty much of a, an eyeful of a horse when he hit the track. Yeah, he's just, every time I've seen this horse, John, he just looks like a really happy horse. And when he was on the track for the first time the other day after uh, arriving here the previous day from uh, from Kentucky, he just he looked great. Uh, but he's always looked great. So to me, the the concern would have been if he didn't look great. Because when I saw him before the Kentucky Derby and before the Belmont, uh, and then last year before the Pacific Classic, he looked terrific all of those times and those are the, the times that I've seen him uh, through, through his career uh, and again now this week he looks, he looks well too but his recent form isn't as good as it was coming into the Pacific Classic uh, so hopefully he can, he can bounce back and uh, he obviously likes his track, he loves poly track, he's got two grade one wins at Keeneland and another, another one on poly track here uh, and he'll have to step up his game to, to beat this field Well uh... I'm not sure if you were at the draw last night, but uh, Game On Dude only has uh, two horses outside of him. Again, uh, for our listeners, uh, Joel Rosario uh, will be deputized uh, for Mike Smith. I guess uh, it's no kind of secret. I mean, you pretty much have to have to put this horse on the front, hope he gets in his stride, and for the most of his career, it's catch me if you can. Yeah, I don't know if he has to be on the lead, but he obviously needs to be forwardly placed, and he needs to just sort of get out there and and do what he can. I mean, if somebody wants to just be silly about going for the lead, I, I do really think that he can sit uh, on their flank, uh, not, you know, rate in third behind two dueling leaders, but he can just sort of sit outside of a, another horse. But the outside draw is good for him because he does kind of get a little squirrely in the gate sometimes, and he does tend on occasion to break a half a step slow. And at least out there, he can get his stride and, and, and be in a good position by the time they get into the first turn, where if he broke a half a step slow from an inside post in a big field like that, it, it might make the first quarter mile for him a little more treacherous. So I think he's in a good spot to at least get his best chance from there. Well, what's your feeling about this race? Uh, who who seems to, to be the, the, the biggest threat or, or, or the top three? Obviously, uh, Kettlecorn loves this track, and he's, he's running awful good right now. He is. Uh, you're right. I think Kettlecorn's got a very big chance in this race. He's run well behind Game on Dude in, in a couple of spots this year, but you've got to keep in mind that in the Hollywood Gold Cup, for instance, when he finished second to him, he was in receipt of 11 pounds that day, and it's the same way for everybody on Sunday, but Kettlecorn likes poly track. He comes off a win in the San Diego. He's got a couple of wins over this track during his career. Richard's kid obviously loves this course. He's won the Pacific Classic twice in the past, and his form was was really on the downside for quite a while uh, over the last year or so, but he bounced back when he got back on this course last time in the Cougar, which he won for the second year in a row, and now he's going to try and win the Pacific Classic for the third time, but the last time he won it was a few years ago. Uh, so, and if he if he wins, he'd be the oldest horse ever to win this race. He's eight now, but he loves the track. He's four for seven here. He's never finished it out of the money here. And and there's a horse coming in from Great Britain that's to me really intriguing, and that's Farage, uh, who 
it's hard to get a line on him because his form uh, in Great Britain, he looks like he's sort, certainly a cut below the best horses there, but he's run twice on synthetic surfaces, and he's, he's won both times. Uh, so obviously that's the reason he's here. Uh, and you just don't know if a horse like that could really jump up and, and, and run an improved race. So to me, he's, he's another intriguing horse in here. And the horse from Canada, Delegation, obviously, is a superior synthetic uh, track horse. His last race at Woodbine in the Dominion Day was, was off the charts in his synthetic races. He's five for six lifetime. The only time he got beat, he was second. So uh, he's, it's a lot deeper race than Game on Dude. And Game on Dude is the best horse going in. But there's a lot of circumstances here where there's plenty of other horses who could, could certainly win the race. Absolutely. We're talking with Jay Privet from the Daily Racing Forum. Jay, there's going to be another uh, headliner uh, uh, earlier on the card in the Grade 2 Pat O'Brien. It's worth a quarter million. Uh, a common name to our listeners here uh, uh, in Golden Sense. I really thought that uh, Golden Sense, after getting that little bit of a layoff after the Preakness, ran a bang-up race uh, in the Bing Crosby, uh, dropping back to six furlongs. And I'm thinking the, the seven furlongs of the Pat O'Brien might, might fit him real nice. It really should. Uh, I agree with you. He ran a great race last time uh, in the Bing Crosby. The, the, the tricky thing for him is going to be working out a trip. Uh, he drew post three, going seven-eighths uh, in a 13-horse field. Uh, and in his last race, he was able to rally from a little bit off the pace after getting into some traffic trouble, and he finished furiously. But he, he didn't do himself any favors by getting that inside draw. So he needs to work out a trip from down there. And, uh, and if he can, he's going to be very, very tough in this race. So he added blinkers for that race last time, too, and I think that was uh, another reason he, he ran so well. Uh, but he's, he's very good around one turn. Uh, he's very good to begin with. But they did, they did the right thing with him. They freshened him up after he ran a really bad race in the Derby and a, a better race in the Preakness, but still below what he's capable of doing. And uh, the time off certainly served him well. But there's a lot of good older horses in this race that he's going to have to try and beat in here. Uh, you know, horses like No Silence, who likes, who really showed an affinity for Polytrack when he got on it for the first time. Baffert's got a couple in here in Drill and FedBiz and. Morning Line was off a long way off and ran a good race in the Triple Bend at, at Hollywood Park last time out. But most of the older horses in here, John, I think have, are kind of on the downside of their careers, whereas Golden Sense still may have a little bit upside. Well, we've been talking with award-winning writer, columnist, a handicapper from the Daily Racing Forum, Jay Privman. Jay, so much good racing this weekend. I wish I had an hour to talk to you, but my producer's telling me i got to cut the break. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and being with us on Winning Ponies. Anytime for you, John. All right. They, that was Jay Privman. Like we said, this is the man show this week. We're going from Privman to ill man. We'll be right back. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com. 
the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, uh, one of my favorite people from the Daily Racing Forum, Dan Ellman, of course. Uh, he's the handicapping editor uh, at, at the Daily Racing Forum. He joined them back in 1998, so he's got longevity. They must have liked what he's doing because they keep him around. Do yourself a favor. Go to the DRF site and pull down Dan's blogs and pull down some of the really nice video segments uh, that, that he's done of late, and uh, you'll thank me. Trust me on that one. Um, Dan, how you doing tonight? Doing great, John. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Oh, I, I love it. I love your style. You, you're so relaxed. You're relaxed on air. And I've really been having fun over the last couple of weeks. And, and you going back uh, with Harvey Pack, who's obviously not with you guys anymore, but uh, you, you brought him up to be a part of the 150th celebration of Saratoga. And uh, it was just so fun watching and listening to you, as I said off the air, uh, you almost look like part of an audience. All you had to do was ask Harvey one question, and he took it from there, and you just kind of sat back and smiled and enjoyed the show. Now, I told you, I'm like a kid in the candy store just sitting with Harvey Pack, and for some of the fans out there that may be unfamiliar with Harvey, because he's really been an East Coast mainstay for most of his career, and it's been a long, long career. Uh, this is a guy that basically invented pre-race prattle with the paddock club in naira and he was one of the first guys to get on tv never made a pick in his entire life he was simply the host that would go out there and make you feel good and tell funny stories and then he would introduce handicappers and he's introduced some very good ones to this business andy serling got his first big break on harvey pack's show dave litfin uh, the wizard michael kipnis a lot of great handicappers andy byer's been on that show many many times 
And, and Harvey just has built up such a tremendous amount of goodwill through sort of a self-deprecating style of humor. <laughs> it's really, really evident in his uh, biography, Packet the Track, which is available on DRF.com uh, through the DRF uh, store. But these videos we've done, basically I just introduce Harvey and I let him go. And I've heard these stories a million times, and they're as funny now when I hear them for the millionth time as they are the first time I heard them. He really is an American treasure, and he tells stories about these great characters at the racetrack that we've all been familiar with, and it's kind of a shame that now in the Internet age, we're, we're losing that a little bit. Most folks stay at home with the convenience of betting on the computer or over the telephone, and we don't have those characters at the racetrack anymore. But Harvey brings them back to life through his stories, and I'm just having so much fun just talking to him. It's an honor to be just sitting next to him. Well, there was one story he told that I, I actually took part in at one time. As you know, when I was a young kid, I, I grew up in the Saratoga area. My brother worked at the track, and uh, we, he said he had a guy at the finish line that watched the finish, and he'd flash up who the winner was. Well, I didn't have a bad eye myself, and we used to go to the paddock, and there's one TV by the corner not far from the mutual windows, and I'm watching this race, and, and I am so sure this horse wins. Well, there's some big loudmouth guy going, there's no friggin' way he won, no friggin' way. You want to buy my ticket? The three horse didn't win. I said, yeah, I'll buy your ticket. Yep. So I give the guy 20 bucks. He hands me his ticket. Official. And it was so funny because he was so loud. There were like about 15, 20 people around, everybody watching. And this guy just turned around and gave me the dirtiest look like I should give him his ticket back. I'm like, hey, you're the one that said you'd sell the ticket. So believe me, yeah, those characters are out there for sure. They're out there and they're alive and really brought to life wonderfully by Harvey in that book. And again, it's available on DRF.com in the store session. But we still have two more videos that we're going to be filming with Harvey before, you know, the 150th uh, meet at Saratoga comes to an end. So uh, we'll be taping them on the next two Fridays and hopefully have them on the site as quick as possible. And I'm sure Harvey might be saving the best stories for last. <laughs> I, I think you could have a 20-part series. You'd still uh, be getting great stories. So it's going to be hard to pack those in, Dan. Well, uh, what, what a weekend you've got coming up. I mean, uh, from Friday through Sunday, uh, as we spoke earlier, uh, you've not only got some sensational uh, graded stakes races, you've got a super undercard. Uh, how's the weather looking for the weekend? Weather, I'm hoping, is going to hold up. Today we got a little bit of a scare in downstate uh, New York City, which is, of course, about three and a half hours away from Saratoga. The rain came down pretty good. But from what I'm hearing right now, and, of course, it's early and these things change and the weathermen are sometimes as, right, as much right as us handicappers, hopefully it's looking pretty good. And, and if we can go fast and firm, it will really complete and put the sort of put the cherry on the top of the Sunday for a fantastic weekend of racing. All right. Well, listen, uh, one of the it was what we called a holy race of obligation in my family. Um, everyone, wherever they were, would show up to the Travers. It was kind of like our family reunion, uh, whether you were, in, you were in Boston or Buffalo, it didn't matter. And so um, Travers has a very special place in my heart. As a matter of fact, my, my, my brother Bob named his son Matthew Travers Engelhardt, <laughs> just to get it in there. Um, it, it just brings together a unique cast of characters. It's a shame Oxbow's not in there, but nonetheless... Uh, we've got to admit that uh, the, the three horses everybody's talking about are Orb, Verrazano, and Palace Malice. Each one of them brings something different to the game. Orb, of course, 
even in Suge's mind, from what I've heard on interviews with him, uh, the question mark is, did I do the right thing by giving him a vacation and letting him go to Fair Hill? There's only one way to find out. I know he likes the distance. Verrazano, absolutely brilliant. The only time he stepped on his uh, his own foot was in the race called the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I guess some people might say, are there distance questions there, and will he be pushed on the front end and the speed? And then, of course, you've got Palace Malice, who a lot of people say this race might just set up just perfect for him. He's undefeated at Saratoga. That's my thumbnail sketch of of this race. How do you see it setting up? I think that we're going to see Johnny Velasquez be fairly aggressive with Verrazano coming out of the gate, John. I mean, this horse does have excellent early speed. And I know that Moreno, going out for the Southern Equine Stable, has been on the lead in his last three starts. But I'm not sure Johnny V is going to want to take a chance of leaving, letting Moreno loop him going into the first turn, take a chance of raiding and going outside that horse. I think John's going to be aggressive with Verrazano and take the bull by the horns. In my opinion, and I think a lot of folks' opinions, Verrazano is the most naturally talented three-year-old out there. He's the most brilliant three-year-old of this crop. The distance has beaten very good horses and very brilliant horses in the past. Maybe it'll stop Verrazano, but boy, the way he won the Haskell at a mile and an eighth last time out, it was simply breathtaking. Not only was it fast, a 116 buyer speed figure, but he humbled a very sharp horse and power broker, that Bob Baffert train runner, and he blew him off the track. The way I'm looking at this race is, I just can't get past Todd. If the left doesn't get you the right will, and the left is Verrazano and the right is Palace Malice, I just have a lot of a lot of concern putting too much money in against Verrazano. I just think he's naturally the most naturally talented horse in the race, and I think he'll be in front turning for home. And that's no disrespect to Palace Malice and no disrespect to Orb. Palace Malice loves Saratoga, as you alluded to. The distance won't be a problem, and he's just been much improved. He's run two big races in a row now, the Belmont and the Jim Dandy. And as for Orb, I'm beginning to wonder. He's good. Is he as good right now as Palace Malice and Verrazano? Remember, that derby win came when the pace collapsed. It was a wicked pace. Palace Malice and Verrazano were casualties of that pace. It set up beautifully for Orb. In the Preakness, if you want to make an excuse, the pace was slower and he was down on the deeper part of the rail. But in the Belmont, he got pace. He made his run, and he couldn't get to Palace Malice. Now he's got to go a mile and a quarter off a two-month break. I'm kind of... I'm kind of against Orbin here. I'm going with Verrazano and Palace Malice, but if you're looking for a price horse maybe to complete your exactas or tries, what about Transparent, who's going out for Kieran McLaughlin, who's red hot. He's by Bernardini, who won the Travers himself. There's no distance concerns here, and I know he was disqualified out of the win in the Curlin, but this is a horse that's very sharp. He's won three out of his last four. Well, you, you, you make an excellent case. The only fly in the ointment that I can see for Verrazano is Moreno. Yeah. Uh, because you got to know he, he's going to be out there and he's, he's going to be pushing Verrazano every way. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying if, if there's somebody that could screw it up for him, I think it might be Moreno that could get well, him to go a little a bit gimme, faster John. than he there's wanted to no go. There's no gimme for Verrazano. He's got to earn it. When, when, when he made his debut on New Year's, uh, on New Year's Day, it was so impressive. 
a lot of folks thought that maybe he would be the best three-year-old when this all shook out. This is his opportunity to prove it. You've got to do it at a mile and a quarter, whether it's the Derby, whether it's the Travers. He's going to have to really earn it on Saturday, which is why the depressed price isn't uh, a lot of fun to take on Verrazano. But again, I'm just not that comfortable betting against him. He's that talented. Well, he's not only that talented, but when you mentioned the Haskell, I, I watched that very closely. And, Dan, what impressed me most was his physicality. Oh, My yeah. God, he is a thing of beauty. He really is. I mean, he's just a specimen. He's been that way since day one, and he just continues to blossom, and Todd's done a great job with him. And what other, what other struck me about the Haskell was he's cruising on the outside, and, and power brokers beginning to inch up on him, and Johnny V is just really confident, looking behind him, sort of taunting uh, the rider on power broker that day. And then when he pushed the button, it was all over but the shouting, and he dominated in the stretch. A mile and a quarter, a far cry from a mile and an eighth. When you get up to these distances, it's very stressful. That's what makes this Travers, in my opinion, uh, a fascinating race because you got the two horses that love the trip, an orb and palace malice, and you got Verrazano, a question mark at the trip, who might be the best horse. Fascinating race. All right. Well, uh, for those of you listening, remember we're having a, a handicapping contest on winning ponies. You just heard from Dan Elman, the, the top horses he likes. I'd, I'd listen closely if I was you. Don't forget to, to play the game. Well, uh, just Prior uh, to the Travers, uh, we're going to get a look at the King's Bishop. Uh, it is so nice to see a grade one with a full field, uh, and uh, which, which, which means there's probably some value in there. Uh, it, it looks like, once again, uh, Todd, who's just killing him up there with the stakes races, uh, may have the, the one to beat. He's got three of them in there, but uh, of 40 tails, uh, he's won at four different distances. This is a seven furlong, grade one, half a million dollar race. Forty tails looks awful tough, but with any time you've got a field this size, it, it's going to make up for an interesting play in, in in kind of the jockey's race. Who goes to the front? Uh, it, there there is some speed in there. Uh, I want to get your your, your read on, on this race. There's plenty of speed in there, as you allude to, but I wonder if the number 10, Let Him Shine, is simply going to be the speed of the speed. Now, the last time we saw Let Him Shine was on Belmont Stakes afternoon in the Woody Stevens, and if you recall, there was a cutthroat pace going on. The race completely collapsed and went to closers like Forty Tails and Declan's Warrior. But Let Him Shine, you have to give him credit. He was the last man standing of the pace, only beaten a length in the Woody Stevens. I'm sure he was exhausted after that race. Adam Kitchingman freshened him up. He's brought him back. He's got to deal with other speeds going seven, and that worries me. But boy, is, is let him shine fast. And it wouldn't be surprising if he's, he's out there and in front turning for home. Whether he can hold off the closures is another story. But I'm certainly using him in my multi-race wagers. As for 40 Tails, he's a reluctant top pick for me. When I, when I started looking at 40 Tails, I wasn't sure if he was lucky or if he was good. And I've just sort of relegated myself to saying... He's both. He's lucky and he is good. He won the Woody Stevens under a great ride by Joel Rosario. Joel just herded Declan's Warrior and rode that horse all the way around the track, and I think that was the difference in trips. 
and then the Amsterdam, he got another hot pace and wore him down late. Seven, as you mentioned, isn't going to be a problem. He's going to get some pace. The one thing to look uh, to consider is that in some of his races, he has seemed uncomfortable running down on the inside in the early portion of his races. When he gets outside, he kicks. It'll be interesting to see if some of these other jockeys want to keep 40 tails locked down. If you're looking for a long shot, and he might not have the right running style, John, but the number five, Majestic Hussar, boy, he came back with a vengeance off a long layoff at Saratoga for that unheralded and underrated trainer, Eddie Keneally. He might have taken advantage of a little bit of an inside speed bias, but he dueled with a pretty decent older horse, put that horse to bed turning for home. That horse ended up finishing a staggering last, and he earned a 98 buyer speed figure. I think Majestic Hussar is a very intriguing horse that really likes Saratoga as well. 40 Tails is, again, a reluctant top pick because he, he might be the best horse he might get the right best right pace scenario, but I don't think he's really uh, you know going to be worth uh, betting as the favorite. So I'm going to have backups. Let him shine and majestic Hussar. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to co-sign a little bit of your uh, uh, let him shine. I've got a huge word called speed on top of there, but also uh, in that Woody Stevens had to break uh, from the outside the 11 post in there, as you pointed out, uh, 21 and four, 44 and three. But I think something that might weigh a little bit additionally in his favor is the fact that he's getting a rider switch to a guy by the name of Mike Smith. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, and that is a huge, huge rider switch here. Nothing against Edwin Maldonado, who didn't do much wrong with Let Him Shine. It just, Mike Smith in these sort of races isn't going to panic, and if he feels that maybe the pace is going to go too fast, maybe he will try to sit with Let Him Shine. I'm not sure it's possible. The horse is wickedly fast out of the gate, but we all know Mike's got a clock in his head, and he's got a, a, a real eye for these big races. Let Him Shine's a very talented horse, and if he's too fast for some of these others, which maybe he is, sometimes in these races, John, we on paper, so much speed, so much speed, so much speed, and then a horse goes out and he wires him. If a horse is going to wire the King's Bishop, it's going to be Let Him Shine. <laughs> I love your analysis, and uh, I certainly hope our listeners are taking notes. Remember, folks, uh, if you're not listening live or you want to tell a buddy to listen to what Dan Elman has to say, all these shows are on podcast right up to the weekend, so you can get that. Well, if you want to see another, uh, what I would really consider a, a, a wide-open rider's race, it's going to be the test stakes. This is another seven furlong race. This one for the girls. Um, it, it, this is a kind of a, a, a tortoise and the hare race. Uh, you, you've got uh, you, you've got some speed horses. You've got some horses that can just rate off the pace. You've got the top four horses coming out of Saratoga's prior as a Grade One race. The top four of those are coming back, and then you got a horse by the name of My Happy Face, and all she did was run a game second to Princess of Silmar, who's arguably the best three-year-old filly in North America right now. After setting the pace, going a mile and an eighth, is going to turn back to seven furlongs, uh, a, uh, a distance that where she ran second to a horse by the name of Cowie Katie. When, when you look at the company that horses have kept in here, I don't know if anybody's kept better company than my happy face. It'll be interesting to see uh, how she handles the turn back. And she's got a little jock in the irons by the name of Joel Rosario, who's not doing too bad this year. And I think Chad Brown's on a bit of a roll himself. He is on a roll. Rosario's on a roll. And my happy face may be ready to be on a roll. As you state, she is the classiest filly in this race. And 
it's amazing that in the Coaching Club American Oaks, that was her first race around two turns, and she ran pretty well considering how good Princess of Silmar is. I think the cutback in distance is going to hit her right between the eyes. But there are some holes here. Her two fastest races on the buyer scale have come over wet tracks. The three wins lifetime have come when she's been able to get the lead at the pace call and sort of go gate to wire. And I don't see her on the lead in here with some other speeds drawn to her inside. That's not saying she can't win. She's way the horse to beat. But I'm going to try to beat her with the new shooter, the number five, Sweet Lulu. Cherry Hollendorfer is not afraid to ship across the Rockies when there's a big purse out east. And that's what he's doing here with Sweet Lulu. And he's showing a lot of confidence because Sweet Lulu has never run in a stakes race of any kind, let alone a grade one. But she's won three straight races to begin her career, two sprints, last time going long. And when I watched Sweet Lulu's race at Del Mar uh, going a mile last time out, and first impression, I thought she got loose over a, a track that might have been favoring horses down on the rail. And then when I watched it again, she just exploded in the stretch. Turning back to seven, I think, is going to be okay. She's versatile on the lead. She's come from off the pace. I'm not that concerned about the dirt for her. She's, run, she's never run on a dirt track in her career. Hollendorfer sends fit and ready horses east for these big races. And I think Sweet Lulu's got a ton of upside potential. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you look at her buyers. This is a, a filly that's gotten faster every start. Hollendorfer, of course, a uh, Hall of Fame guy, uh, is batting 25% this year. And, man, has he been turning the key up, or does this horse just have natural speed? It's one thing to work bullets, but it's another thing when you're the best of 68 and 48 out at a track like Del Mar. I really think this horse is sitting on a huge effort. The, the question will be the, the West Coast to East Coast switch. And, and if she likes the dirt. Yeah, those are huge questions. And you mentioned those workouts. Not only did she outwork a ton of other horses, she did it breezing a half and 45 and change and five-eighths and 58 and three. She's either going to be up close uh, or outright maybe on the lead. Uh, we'll see what we get out of Sweet Lulu. I know a lot of folks out there are wary betting horses stepping up into the graded stakes ranks for the first time, but this horse has run races fast enough to indicate that she can certainly compete in a race like the test. All right, Dan. Well, I'm closing. I'm closing in on uh, uh, time here. But you were there to watch the Prioress. Well, can can you give me a, a quick thumbnail sketch of the horses that are coming out of there? Uh, is, is there somebody that's going to improve off that race? Is there somebody that could bounce? Tell me. I have to be honest, I really wasn't pleased with the Prioress. I know Lighthouse Bay won that day. She got a pretty good trip. I think if I want a horse out of the Prioress, it's going to be either the one Irish loot who was down inside and then had to try to swing around, but unfortunately is now breaking from the inside post. And one of my favorite fillies, Wildcat Lily, who is nothing if not consistent, first or second in her last seven races. Wildcat Lily was on the lead on a day on Prioress day that seemed to favor closers and she dug in whether she really wants to go seven furlongs is the big question for her she switches to john velasquez i'd take wildcat lily out of all of the horses from the prioress but i'm just not convinced they're as good as my happy face or as good as i believe that this southern california philly could be all right, well, uh, thanks for your read on that. Uh, we've got about three minutes left. I think we need to address uh, the personal ensign. Obviously, a, a short field, but uh, 
Anytime you see Royal Delta in the overnights, you might find a good reason to go find another race. Mike Smith uh, giving up the mount on Game on Dude on the Pacific Classic. He's sticking with Billy Mott and, and Royal Delta. I mean, uh, do you, is there anybody in here that can give her a scare? She looks awesome right now. Oh, you know, I think there are some pretty good fillies in here, and they might be able to give her a scare. I mean, authenticity is no pushover, and she's been very, very good at Saratoga for Todd Pletcher. I think she might be kind of the other horse on fire, baby. I'm a big fan of hers, but she's a speed, and it's hard for me to think that she's just going to get away and Royal Delta's going to let her go. Royal Delta's going to be real tough to beat, but maybe authenticity's one to to keep an eye on because she has really come to hand for Todd. Um, not Maybe not the greatest betting race in the world if you're a Royal Delta fan, but it should be a show nonetheless. Well, uh, Dan, uh, once again, uh, can you kind of tell our listeners out there where they can get a hold of you, if you've got some upcoming blogs, and, and when we might get a chance to see you and Harvey Pack on video again? Well, we'll be taping our next two segments, the next two Fridays, and they should be up, if not Friday evening, Saturday morning, on DRF.com, on the homepage video player, right uh, towards the right and towards the middle of the homepage. You can find my blog. I'm posting once or twice a week, usually on a Wednesday. I post a handy gambling contest where you get an opportunity to win a free uh, month supply of DRF Formulator PPs. And um, you can catch me on Twitter, guys. What is it? DRF Dan Ullman, I think it is. So uh, you can you can find me uh, pretty much all over the place, and I'd love to interact with all the racing fans and answer as many questions because I can learn as much from them as they can from me. That's for sure. Well, that's that's the great part about this race. It, it, the racing game is the dialogue. Uh, again, you know, going back to to, to Har- Harvey Pack, you know, it's uh, it, it's just a great game to talk to people who have a passion for the sport. Everybody's got an opinion. Uh, you can be in line with a prince and a pauper and have the best conversation you ever had. And every, everybody's a horse player, and and there, there's no class strata when you're at the track live. We're all a fraternity of horse players. We've had our bad beats. We've had our big wins. We can certainly sympathize with each other when there are some bad beats, uh, even though we're betting against each other. That's the great thing about it. You hit the nail right on the head. Dan Elman, you're one of my favorite guests, and I've gotten comments from people on Winning Ponies that love when you're on. So thanks for taking time out of your busy day up there. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Anytime, John. Okay, you know I'll take you up on that. Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, that closes out another show on Winning Ponies. Remember, go online. We've got the Travers Contest. Get your picks in before uh, the, the race goes off. And that, again, is on Saturday. So go online, check it out. And we got some great prizes, including the top cash prizes, and then points for the easy win sheet. So for uh, Jay Privman and Dan Elman, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you take a loved one to the racetrack, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.